is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast. We are here after a crazy match versus Southampton, and I'm Dan. No, Brandon, he's lost in a cornfield in Iowa somewhere, I think. But Nick, you're here as well, and we're having a good time. We're going to have a good one. Of course we are. We, we won through one. What is there to have a bad time about? Well, uh, depending upon who you talk to, that maybe there's maybe there's things that shaded this match at times, but we'll get into all of that. But we had to bring in someone who could help us break down the narrative structure of this match because there were highs, there were lows, there was tragedy and despair, there was exhilaration and jubilation, and none other than Gate 17's own Mr. Mark Worrell is joining us to break it down. Welcome back, Marco. How you been? Morning, good afternoon, good evening. Been great. <laughs> yeah. Um, just dried out. Day A day after the uh, great flood of Stamford Bridge. <laughs> oh, we're glad that you were able to dry off in time to join us because we are very much looking forward to getting your view from the stands and how you took in the match and obviously getting a chance to be back at Sanford Bridge is something all of us wish we could be doing in this timeline, whether it be uh, soaked to do so or completely dry, we would take it any way we possibly could get it. But we are going to break down the return of Callum hudson Adore and Rumi Loftus cheek to a starting lineup together in the Premier League for Chelsea and how it changed our play, what Thomas Tuchel's bet did. We're going to talk about the zany impact of Southampton's 13 men versus Chelsea's 11. And then we're mm. also going to talk about the tweaks that brought Chelsea back into the game and earned us the W, which as of time of recording pushed us to the top of the Premier League table. Sometime during this recording, we may know if we're still there heading into the international break. But Nick, I will hand over the three-word match reviews to you with Brandon out. I picked out a few that I think were really good, but you know, you tell me. Well, I mean, these are carefully curated from a community of passionate listeners and, and fans. So uh, Motor Mount with All's Well, Chill Well, I like. Nice little, nice little play on words there. Ganazagina with time variance, variance, authority. We, we got to figure that out. Uh, then Ultra, Ultra Ernie with Mike Dean Redemption with a nice big red square <laughs> there. Uh, so I see you trying to shade into the three words a little bit with symbols. Um, then I have Aerith Muggle with thrilling since 19 Barkley. 19 0 Barkley, whatever. I have no idea what you were doing, combining numbers and letters there. Simo uh, with Resurrection, Redemption, Return, which I like. It's a, there's a nice theme there. Matt with Win Despite PGMOL, Facts. Josh Anderson with It's Turbo Time. <laughs> and Dan, may you, uh, may you describe the photo included here because we are accepting these now. Well, yeah, so the photo definitely takes it to another level. It actually was a gift, but this is a still of it. It is the wonderful Christmas at a movie with <laughs> a, a one Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, playing the titular character of uh, uh, Turbo Man. <laughs> Jingle all the Jingle way, all the baby. Way. Let's go. Um oh, then Jay with overcoming odious officiating. Courtney Stith back in the three-word match reviews with Chillwell Redemption Story. Tana with all the Remotanaz. And then Adi with Red and Trev. And Claire, despair to elation. So all of these were excellent. 
well done. It was an easy match to kind of get hyped on the three word match review for. Yeah, there were a lot of, uh, you know, fuck Mike Dean, fuck Anthony Taylor. You know, look, I mean, look, I get that sentiment, but, you know, these were ones that showed a little extra flair. So just uh, keep that in mind when you submit your next one. Those were mostly my entries before <laughs> I got your, to my real one. in the yeah. early part. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Nick, what did you go with? I went with, uh, and Marco will appreciate this, having been uh, at Stanford Bridge, <laughs> flood of chances. Flood of chances. <laughs> Like that. Marco, how would you break down the match into just three words? Barkley Aspilicueta Verna. <laughs> goal Ooh, of the okay. season. <laughs> Was a, a delicious goal mm. for all who got a chance to enjoy it, which is everyone in the fans of the blue versus that of the red and white. And uh, I went with showing our credentials because this is a type of match, I think, in previous seasons or in previous campaigns. Maybe we don't get across the line. We don't have the resiliency we need, but... Chelsea did show it in this one. We want to say a couple of quick gratitudes before we get into the match details here. We want to thank a good cat, one, two, three, four from China, Joe, uh, Joe V21 from the US, Lee CFC in YYC from Canada, Sabu112843 from Denmark, and Ski Zazu from the US, all leaving wonderful five star Apple podcast reviews. If you haven't done it yet, Good opportunity to do it now, but we're going to jump into the match details because we've got a ton to talk about. Our opponent was Southampton. It was this past Saturday, October 2nd, 2021 in the Premier League at a very wet and wild Stamford Bridge. Chelsea win 3-1 over Southampton. VAR with two, so they almost took the edge in this one, but we kind of walked away with it. We're going to go to the Fist Stand app for some quick highlights and then jump into the lineup. Off his cheek, got a touch on yeah. Chelsea he scored at the bridge again what a start to the season this young man is having he's a new man Diallo Libramento oh it's a poor challenge from Chilwell and it's a penalty and it's the former Chelsea man Tino Libramento who tied him up in knots and Chilwell committed himself shortish run up can Mendy Chilwell out. Sent the wrong way. Never in doubt, was it? James Ward-Prowse makes it Chelsea 1, Southampton 1. Spinner. One, uh, dare say one mistake, but one bit of skill. Oh, that's a bad challenge. That's a yellow card. Right through the back of Jorginho. That's a poor challenge, that is. I can say with some certainty, Clive, I think James Ward-Prowse is about to be sent off. Here we go. He's off. He's going for his pocket. It is a red card for James Ward-Prowse. Barkley. Oh, clever ball. Oh, brilliant! What a sensational goal! Timo Werner tucks it in. That was magnificent. Mount, another clever run from him. Oh, great. Aspilicueta's in the bar. Chilwell back off the post again. What on earth is going on here? Oh, the referee's given the goal. It crossed the line from Chilwell. This is unbelievable. What an extraordinary end to the game we're getting here. All right, Nick. No, Brandon means you're on lineup duty. Why don't you run us through the starting 11, the subs, and... The unused. 
Well, look, uh, everyone's favorite goalkeeper, yours and mine, Edouard Mendy in, in between the sticks, Rudiger, Silva, Trev Chalaba making another Premier League appearance, I think edging his way towards my 1,800-minute mark, which is great uh, for him this season. Then we had a, a kind of a switch up in midfield. It, this is an interesting one, given that we played Wednesday in Turin. Uh, we had uh, Aspilicueta and Chilwell as our wingbacks with Mateo Kovacic and one Ruben Loftus-Cheek making a triumphant return to the starting lineup. Very happy about that. And then our forward line of Romelu Lukaku, Timo Werner, and Callum Hudson-Odoi playing his favored left wing position. I mean, this was just a day for all of us uh, who wanted to see players in their preferred positions. Uh, substitutes of Kepa Risa Balaga, Mark Salonzo, Andreas Christensen, Sal Niguez, Hakimziesh, and Kai Havertz with substitute appearances of Mason Mount in the 65th minute, Ross Barkley in the 83rd minute, and Jorginho in the 73rd minute. That is quite a lineup. Match stats at a high level. Chelsea with just about 62% of the possession, nine shots on target out of 20, 763 touches, 546 passes, 16 tackles to Southampton's 24, 11 clearances to their 12, seven corners to their two, one offside to their nil, one yellow card to their three, and then zero red cards to their one, and then third, uh, 11 fouls conceded to their 13, and XG rounding it out with a... Chelsea 3.2 to 0.6 plus one for the penalty for Southampton and our one random stat of since Thomas Tuchel's first game in charge of Chelsea FC, the Blues have picked up more home points in the Premier League than any other side, 27 in 14 matches, which is crazy to think about. It's only been 14 home matches for Thomas Tuchel. Uh, Marco, lineup, stats, XG, what do you want to kind of pick into here? Um, well, I think there was quite a buzz um, pre-game when uh, the team news came was announced. Uh, just just from the point of view, I think people were expecting a few changes after you know one shot on target in the last two games um, and a performance that kind of fizzled out um, after early promise against Juve. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just re- really well, very well received to see uh, Loftus Cheek and Hudson Adoy getting a start. I think the Chilwell recall was had been on the cards, so that that was less of a surprise. Um, and then it was a big thumbs up for Big Trev uh, getting recalled to the side. So yeah, I mean, it, it was. Um, it was very well received. I think. I think a few of us were, were sort of moderately surprised that, given Tuchel had proclaimed Mason Mount to be fit, that that he wasn't actually in the starting eleven. But um, yeah, other than that, it was yeah, we like this team. Let's go to work. Well, I went to work. They did. Before we get into the break and actually break down the match here, I do have to give Nick Verlaney's patented eye test shithouse moment of the match his opportunity to shine. Nick, I know I submitted some to you for review, but this is your section. So please make make us aware of what was the shithouse moment of the match. So there, there are two that kind of stand out to me. Um, one is Trev Chalaba going uh, full rugby tackle uh in kind of the late stages not allowing the player to get by him which was just really nice i think it was redmond or something like that uh and then the other uh was the the goal mouth scramble that occurred uh, and just the 
incredible amount of misses that happened from very easy angles. I mean, it was it was Big Rom coming in, just smashing it against the bar. It was Dave doing the same. And then it was Chilwell absolutely hitting a laser, uh, you know, to kind of finish that move off. And then the celebration that followed Marco, as you know, was a little bit shithouse as well. So uh, I think I think both of those are up there for me uh, in this one. Well, we have uh, wonderful submissions by you for that. Uh, I'm sorry we couldn't decide on just one because that match did have too much. There was just too much to consider. It was a shithouse match. It was a shithouse <laughs> match. The whole match was shithouse. All right. Well, we're going to get into all of it in just a moment. We want to thank these sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, so we've got tons of more pods coming at you this week. We have a women's match review. We've got a men's season update and then maybe one or two more. But we also want to thank those individuals who joined us on Patreon for yearly subs and Andrew and Isaiah. Thank you so much for joining us. You're in the Discord. You're having fun. You're chatting it up. Uh, great opportunity to do so. We'll keep you sane during international breaks. Highly recommended. But we want to talk about the return of Ruben Loftus-Cheek to the 11. Callum in the attack. It was an early set up the action there was a lot going on marco and it was a bright it was a bright start for this chelsea team the first 10 minutes were looked better than anything we had seen in the last 180 in the two losses yeah uh, teams definitely playing uh, came out of the traps playing with a lot of intensity um i thought it was quite interesting that um callum was up against uh young tino libramento so that was that was a, that was quite an interesting uh tussle all the way through um so yeah i mean there was there was just plenty to uh keep your eye on and obviously the conditions were getting progressively worse um from from kickoff which, which kind of added to um i don't know the excitement if you if you want to call it or just make, making everything just that little bit more haphazard uh and and to keep control of the ball but I, yeah I, I thought it was a question of um when and not if Chelsea were going to score, um, even VAR permitting. Well, Nick, I, I know that we we were obviously we chat a lot during these matches and the energy and the enthusiasm at the start, kind of to Marco's point there, particularly with Callum in that left wing, what were you seeing initially or how were you finding that in terms of getting a chance to see him actually in an attacking role versus like this manufactured... <laughs> defensive role with some attacking thrust no i mean he he just looked like he was playing with joy you know i think is is mostly the difference right i think not only were the runs strategic and better and his action was better but something that i i did notice uh pretty early on is that he and chilwell actually had it seemed like they had a relationship on the pitch like they they knew where each other was going if one made the run, the other was going to fill in the spot and vice versa, or they would kind of predict where each other was going and take a couple of chances instead of just the same passing pattern around the field, which got, you know, as Marco said in the in the early part of the show, one shot on target, I think, over two matches earlier. And the team just needed to come out with some energy and enthusiasm. I mean, you can't you can't play a third match in a row like you had the previous two. I mean, the Southampton team is not that good. You need to come out. You need to try something different. I think it's a credit to Tuchel to realize that the the lineups that he previously deployed were not necessarily working uh, to the best effect. And uh, Callum on the left, playing with a lot of joy, uh, syncing up with Chilwell, who is you know kind of on his redemption arc as well. I think was a really, uh, really great move. And 
like, I mean, we all know when Callum is close to goal that his numbers in terms of goal contributions per game are really high. Like he can, he can play there. The problem is that he has a ton of competition in front of him for those spots, but yesterday wouldn't have hurt his chances to go back there at all. I think he played extraordinarily well and we were unfortunate to not have more out of that game, especially he was unfortunate not to have an assist uh, as well. Are, are you saying he was robbed an assist? Uh, I mean, let's not, let's not banter about, you know, who took whose assist away or whatever, but, um, but yes, he was robbed Dan, robbed. Well, one, one player that maybe was not robbed necessarily, but we, we did also see, you know, I think we want to kind of spread the love around the Cobham crew, but the return of Ruben Loftus-Cheek to a Premier League start. I mean, Marco, just from maybe you were referencing it earlier, but the conversation pre-match uh, amongst the supporters, but then getting a chance to see Ruben in the, uh, in the stands, the early shot on uh, shot on goal. I don't necessarily if we call that a shot on target because it went a little wide. But what was the energy and the conversation enthusiasm in the stands for Ruben's return? Yeah, I mean, every time he got on the ball, you know, there was a there was a, a buzz of expectancy. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, you see you see it on TV in a lot closer up, but he, you know, he's, he's the physicality of the guy, um, you know, and he had a couple of runs out of defence, um, where you're just thinking, wow, I remember all this. This was the Ruben mm-hmm. Loftus cheek before he got injured. This was the guy who was playing for England. This was the guy who was going to be the next player after John Terry, who was going to make it to the first team and, you know, as a regular. And, and, and unfortunately, this was the guy who lost it all. And I think, you know, everybody loves um, a comeback story. And, you know, if you, if you think, um, you know, I tweeted this uh, last night that this guy's played under... I've lost track of maybe eight, nine managers since since um, he, he got onto the fringes of, of the first team. Um, he's gone through injury. Uh, he's been loaned out. He's, you know, his, his loan spell at Fulham wasn't exactly successful last season. And, and he's battled for it. And so putting all of those things uh, on the plate together... And you've got kind of a delicious main course there when he's uh, sizzling down the through through the middle of the pitch. So I, I just hope I, I really think he's got a big opportunity now. Um, you know, if you look at Kante, is um, Kante's Kante, but you know he's kind of got that burnout. His body's a bit fragile now. He's getting towards the end of his career. You've got. Kovacic, Jorginho in in the mix, but you know he Ruben's got a lot to his game, and if he's if he's got it in his head that he's going to play and he can stay fit, and he's got through all those issues with his growing pains and all of that stuff, and he can just play football. That's some player, and so obviously you know the supporters, um, everybody was just buzzing when he got on the ball. Yeah, I, I mean, we're just. We're just so damn happy for him. Uh, and not only because, you know, we want to see the redemption arc, right, for him and, and to get back to where he was. And, you know, the fact that he's doing it at Chelsea and not somewhere else is just amazing. 
Um, you could even argue, per Marco's point, that he is our most important player right now because if you look at N'Golo, probably out for a couple of weeks due to COVID. Jorginho clearly needs a rest. I mean, it's just so obvious to anyone who watches him play that he's not playing with the same enthusiasm or energy that he was this summer. Kovacic will go through lulls and ups and downs, and Saul is not ready yet. And you can't play a game without a midfield. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a really he's in a really interesting and not low pressure position right now to perform. Um but I mean we we just have to look at his performance yesterday against a team who is physical, who wanted to get after him and just couldn't because he's too strong, he's too quick, and his movement with the ball breaks up play. And we and right now, I mean, Kovacic has a little bit of that shiftiness, clearly, but we don't really have a midfielder who's done that in that style for, for a while. And I, I'm looking at him and just like Marcos, thinking that if he's able to stay healthy over the next month, month and a half, there are a lot of minutes for him to to play. And he's going to be really, really impactful, Dan, because it's not just, you know, the fact that he's able to be a shield for the back four. Because you, you even saw him in the, in the second half dropping a little deeper, right? And getting the ball and trying to advance it from from a deeper position. It's the fact that he's contributing an attack too. And we desperately need someone who has a vision for a pass, who's willing to take a risk. And uh, and he's a, he's a guy who's trying to do that. Well, it seems like the Cobham Footballing Academy, uh, a lot of Cobham, loves the half turn because both Ruben and, and Mason have that half turn that they can do at full speed to mm-hmm. quickly turn the where they're heading in, in terms of play. And different from Kovacic, different from Jorginho, the way that Ruben has been running is in a forward diagonal. So every time he's receiving the ball, he's actually able not only to move the ball forward from a passing effect, but he's actually dragging play into a completely different position very rarely was he making kind of a a, a for a forward run at steam because of the way the setup is is that you know he's kind of getting getting with Aspie, getting with trev getting it to to kovacic i mean lukaku was still on a little bit of an island but he was doing the lord's work today and uh, trying to kind of get the result that we needed but the way he has been able to involve himself in play and to stand up in challenges. And you know, we've talked about the concerns of having a midfield that can stand up to the challenges of the Premier League. The Premier League does not have a lot of weak midfielders. <laughs> they're, they're tall. They're uh, oppressive in the way that they will be on top of you. And his ability to shirk a tackle, his ability to continue to stay up, uh, and and take the necessarily fall when when he needs to to stop play and help us reset uh, was all wonderful. But the really impressive moment to me was the flick on for the first goal for Big Trev's goal, where he just gave it that little deft touch, got higher than anybody else, and was able to kind of push it back, Nick. And I think you know that we can transition maybe to talking about Chalaba here, but that was a sublime series of events. Yeah, in addition to all the skills that we've talked about, he also just has a natural height advantage over some of our midfielders, right? Because he's bigger than they are. Um, and, and it allows you to do something different on set pieces 
than you might have otherwise. And so we're, we're terming this a cheeky assist. So for the record, when you hear these later on, this will be a cheeky assist. But Marco, I, I want to get your perspective on the set pieces, actually, because it seemed to me uh, watching on TV and I'm sure, you know, in the stadium that we lined up a little bit differently for those yesterday and it, it might have paid off. Yeah, I, I just, it, it, it kind of looked a lot more rehearsed. So even though um, it was kind of a, a haphazard feel to the selection, it was kind of like, oh, okay, so Tuchel's kind of changed things up because we've only had one shot on target in the last two games. Um, it actually looked like there'd been a lot of work going on so, for example, you mentioned earlier the the, the link-up play between Hudson Adoy and uh, Chilwell, um, uh, neither, neither of whom have been playing for the team. So there's, there's got to be some training ground stuff been going on there. And the same with all the set plays. And obviously Chilwell was on on the corners um, instead of Alonso. So I, th- I think it's, it's pretty clear. Um, and even I know we'll get onto it later with the substitutions that that Tuchel does think quite meticulously about what he's doing in terms of set plays, um, team selection, and the setup. Uh, then, then, then is it is at first you know obvious when when he's making changes? So. I mean that's that's got to be a good thing, you know. And I think I think the general consensus, certainly, uh, you know, amongst people at the game yesterday, it, you know, notwithstanding the fact fact we've just had back to back defeats, is that you know, in Tuchel we've actually got a manager who who thinks things through, um, and it's not random, and it's not knee jerk, and it's not reactive. Um, so that that that's all good. So talking about Big Trev's day, just getting the numbers here from Statman Dave, 91% pass accuracy, Hollywood passer, because they are sublime, 86 total touches, eight attempted long passes, five successful, five attempted tackles, five successful, three clearances, two take-ons, both successful, two clearances, one shot, one goal. That's two shots, two goals, 100% accuracy rate there for Trev Chalaba, but uh, it seems like he is loving life. Uh, I don't think he has a chant yet, Marco. What's the early kind of read on what we're going to get Trev <laughs> if he continues this run of form? I'm not entirely sure, actually. I, I think it's just kind of dependent on, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody really expected Trev to get a game yesterday. I mean, uh, we didn't. So that that was the big surprise on the, on the team sheet when, you know, at 2 p.m. when... Um, when Chuckles Cabby did the uh, early team news for us at the stall. So it was like, oh, <laughs> right, okay. Um, but, yeah, you know, you, I mean, you can see every time, you know, when, when he's played before, he, he's got all the attributes to be a top, top player, um, you know, and, and the stats back it up. So, yeah, I think the chant, the chant will come. Um, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit like when Mason Mount got his new flag, the boy that the boy that had a dream, um, and it got unfurled in the lower Matthew Harding, only for him not to play in that game. So <laughs> I think he just need, I think he needs a couple of games, Trev. Look, it is incredibly clear, though, to me, Marco, that he belongs at this level. 
Uh, he is physical. He's quick enough. His first touch has probably impressed me the most of, of all of his attributes and the fact that he's able to turn a difficult pass into an opportunity to advance the ball more quickly than I anticipated. And then obviously just... I think the fact that he's playing with a little bit of house money right now, that the expectations for him are not sky high yet, that no mm. one really knows how he's going to perform. That's a huge weapon, you know, in, in, in America, in baseball, if, you, if you're kind of a star player and you go through your first, you know, couple of, of uh, at bats, pitchers don't know what to do with you. And so, uh, you know, by the third or fourth at bat, which would be kind of a sophomore slump type of a deal, you know, they figure out how to pitch to you and, and everything like that. And I feel like right now he's in that early yeah. part uh, of his career where no one knows what his weaknesses are because he hasn't really shown any. Um, you know, of course, he's going to have naive moments as a young player. He's only, what, 22 years old. Um, but I, I think the fact that he looked so comfortable yesterday, and, and so did the rest of the Cobham crew, to be fair. I think everyone looks so comfortable that it just it gives you – if you're if you're Tuchel, it gives you assurances that we can survive without Reese James for a period of four to six weeks, right? Which is really what this is about to me. You know, Dave is is probably not going to see a whole lot of time at right center back over the next handful yeah. of weeks. I think he's probably going to be out on the wing. So he's a really important player. All right, so let's transition on to the thirteen versus eleven, which accounts for the. <laughs> additional men that Southampton had on their side yesterday. And we, we poke fun, but I think Claire framed the question to us and our friends at the fan cast here. So kind of makes sense that we have Marco here and we should answer it, but she highlights, I love to see the written rules as to how far back VAR can go in determining when the buildup of play to a goal starts, bet it doesn't exist. And it simply is at the whim of the VAR referee. It's a joke. It's a travesty. We agree with that. I think Sam Wallace's tweet might have been the best of the day, which is the VAR review to disallow Werner's goal at Chelsea rerun. So far into the move, it felt like Lampard might have been the manager when the alleged foul was committed. Oh, my goodness. Whew. Well, well, I mean, look, Merson, I think Merson had the best kind of live reaction to this. Uh, when uh, he was looking at the replay, he saw the foul. He's like, that was Friday. That was like, I mean, essentially saying it was so far back. It didn't impact the play, Marco. I mean, it was crazy. They, they went back a full 20 seconds where yeah. the on-field referee did not call a foul at all. And he was in perfect position to do so. Three attacks happened, and then they went back and changed it. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, we we had we had no idea what what was going on. I mean, a the goal was at, at the other end; um, it was up towards the shed end, mm. um, so we couldn't really understand. And because it was because uh, it was Werner, we we automatically thought, well, we like looking for the offside flag. You know, I mean, what's that? That, that was like. I mean, he's had 16 goals disallowed since he's played for Chelsea. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible stat. So, yeah, we had no idea that, um, that you know, it, it was related to a foul. So, so obviously, and neither did, neither did the crowd. So, you know, with, with the inevitable chance starting up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was ludicrous, really. So... But it, but it is what it is, and I think you know. I think we've learned, we've already learned that 
um, as a team, we, we don't really get many favours from uh, our friends in Stockley Park. So um, we just got to get knuckle down and get on with it. Well, the, the campaign against Chelsea is alive and well as it ever was. <laughs> yeah. and the only sample size you needed was yesterday. Well, it's like Mike, Mike Dean contrived to make it all about him, even though he was 20 miles away. Can, can I can I talk about that really quick? Because I, I think there this is a as much as I poked fun and apparently it went viral. Uh, I I said name a worse duo. I'll wait, and it's a photo of of Mike Dean and Martin Atkinson, uh, and and everyone responded with Anthony Taylor's not in this photo, and I was like, yeah, really good point. Uh, <laughs> so I lost that one actually. Uh, but I, I think I think this is a point that that the PGMOL needs to to get right. I think it is absolutely insane to have your own colleagues and peers be be VAR check during a match. Like all of these guys have a relationship with each other, all these match referees. I think you need a third party arbiter to be reviewing the the video footage and to communicate down to a referee so that there isn't any perceived bias or anything like that. It, it is it has always struck me as weird that you can be judge, jury, and executioner with your buddy on the other end of the line going, I don't know. What about this? It just seems crazy to me. And I think it's something that they need to fix, uh, with, with some sort of like actual, uh, VAR referee association thing. I don't know. Just something to think about. Uh, that would be the worst, uh, recasting of judge dread, the judge during <laughs> executioner of Mike Dean or Anthony Taylor. Uh, it'd be quite unfortunate, but yeah, the, the Marco is correct. That team of Werner now has 16 goals ruled out for Chelsea with both VAR and offside. So that is a very unlucky record and why most of us take a moment of pause whenever uh, he puts a ball into the back of the net, unfortunately, and also, I think, like, to the point we're talking about, it was 18 seconds. I mean, Callum kept that ball in play. I mean, credit to Callum. Yeah. Like, if, we had not, if he had not chased that down because the entirety of Southampton's team had given up on it, we wouldn't even be in a position where Timo would have potentially been able to convert that chance. And so it, it just, you know, the risk for injury, if you let it go on yes. too long— the potential impact to these these games and these changes. I mean, like, look, the I think the Chilwell challenge, that was a Stonewall penalty. That was a terrible scissor that he put on Livermento. Mm. Like, I don't know what happened at the training ground beforehand. Why why Ben felt like he had to do that to him, but that was one problem. And then uh the the challenge on Jorginho, wow it's 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 on the back of the ankle. It's it's lunging. Wasn't it's not really wasn't looking. a red for me. I, it, I'll be it's honest. It's the orange, but you know, it's it feels like in the nature of the game that that kind of helps to return the tide a little bit in our favor in terms of decisions against us, though, Nick. I, I, that wasn't a red for me. I, I watched it a bunch on on replay. It was obviously it, an ugly looking foul because Jorginho fell awkwardly after it, but it wasn't. I didn't think it was dangerous conduct or play or whatever they call it. Uh, I, I don't, it, it was obviously a bad challenge. It's a yellow card for sure. It's probably an orange card if you had that, but it's certainly not a red. And, and again, it felt like a makeup call to me, which I hate. I hate even more than missing the original one is the makeup to try and get it back to normal. I think that is just the worst thing that a referee can do because you're basically admitting that you made a mistake without admitting you made a mistake. Um, 
So I'd rather they just get it right uh, or, or whatever. But I think that the penalty is Stonewall. There's no doubt about that. That's a great call. The, the, the other two calls are absolute nonsense. And, you know, you, you feel bad for someone like James Ward-Prowse because I think in general, a good citizen of the game, a guy who's clearly Southampton's like best on-field player, and now he's potentially going to miss three matches for something I didn't think was a, a red at all. So it just is a huge bummer. And the, the referees need to face the press after games too. They, we need to know why they made those calls or we need to have the live feed going like they do in Australia because there's too much on the line in these games now for us not to have accountability. It's, it's crazy. Well, if we look at it, that just all of that took us to the 61st minute. Like this is <laughs> this is we still had a third of the match to go at this point. And this was when Tuchel started to think about what are the changes that I need to make to win back this game? I mean, Chelsea had been on the front foot, could have had more goodness from that first half. We even talk about Rudiger's run to the uh, off sides uh, <sighs> attempt from Lukaku, which would have been an amazing goal to convert. But then he makes the changes. Tuchel says, you know, what? I'm going to figure out a way to manufacture this result. I'm going to impact the play in the only way that I can with substitutions. And we saw Mount come on almost immediately for Callum and then followed by Jorginho and then Barkley. You know, those subs, you know, and, and this is maybe where Tuchel wasn't getting credit for the last couple matches for how he put us or how he set us up in the execution, Marco. But I think this is where he made deft decisions and really each one of them hit on the day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, essentially, you know, I mean, Pete Barkley has his has his critics, but I've always been a fan, and to be able to bring players on of the caliber of Barkley, Jorginho, and Mason Mount, um, you're going to expect to be able to change the game and the pattern of play against uh, a team like Southampton, um, who who um, you know were, were essentially down to ten men as well. Uh, so there was an expectation that the, the, the pattern of play would change, that there would be more energy, and, and that's how it mapped out. And there was more creativity uh, as well, you know, and, um, sort of Barkley tearing the number eight shirt off Kovacic's back. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, all, all of those things, I think, underline the belief that, you know, Tuchel's got one hell of a squad here. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's a far stronger... I know we were turned over by Manchester City last last Saturday and there was an element of, well, that was inevitable because I guess that team and the manager were so focused on beating Chelsea at last that it, it was going to happen. But I, I just think Chelsea are, are better equipped from a depth of squad uh, position and from a tactical having a tactically aware manager who can really change things up. I think they're better equipped in the long run um, than Liverpool or Manchester City, who are the only two credible uh, opponents to win to win the title. So I, I think it's great. And I just think Tuchel demonstrate what a capable coach he is yesterday. And those guys that came on, um, you know, deserve the plaudits they got for changing the game and winning it for Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say Mason's not had the best start to the season for his standard. 
he came on yesterday and was instant impact. Um, his first touch was a crazy little half-turn, Cruyff-turn thing, spun away from trouble, uh, had a had a great kind of low-driven cross that should have been converted into a goal almost immediately, uh, is clearly the missing link as we look at the Juve and, and uh, you know City performances for how we press and how we turn the ball over in the opposition final third. Uh, I mean, all of this matters, and the fact that you know, I think people are, are dismounting the bandwagon that they were so uh, effusively on last year is crazy to me. I mean, the guy is an absolute stud. He's he's mostly our most impactful player, and I, I can't wait to see him kind of get back to the level that he was at last year because when he does, it, the whole makeup of the team changes. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. So we have that last 10 minutes. We have uh, the crazy... Barkley pass to Azpilicueta run into the box and drag it across the ground to Timo kind of just coming in and finally getting the uh, I knew it was you Fredo type of uh, goal that he could then go take over to Mike Dean and VAR and just tell them to completely F off which was, I mean, just exceptional. Like the the execution, and I think we kind of talked about this, maybe the goal of the season uh, in so far, Marco, but in general, getting to see that type of passage of play, the pass from Barkley, it seemed like Tuchel had basically uh, spoken that into existence and then it just ended up happening, which is the perfect type of way to make a return into starting, you know, getting a minutes for Chelsea in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, where where where, where we sit in, uh, in Gate 17 is kind of level with the edge of the penalty area at the Matthew Harding um, end of the ground. So you can imagine I'm sitting there and I see the ball go to Barkley and I, I'm pretty much level with the guy. And I watch him. I mean, it was just inch perfect. You know, Aspia, his timing, everything. If you watch that goal, and I couldn't, I couldn't, well, I, I could wait to get home. But the first thing I did when I got home last night was uh, watch that goal on, on TV just to see if it was as good as I thought it was. And it was better. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just to see, you know, that's why that's why it's just great to go to games when you get there. It's a privilege to be able to see uh, firsthand stuff like that. It was just a perfect goal, um, and yeah, you know, and it was just fantastic that it was Timo on the end of it um, to, to 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 you know get a goal of, of some sort. And I thought, you know, for everybody loves Timo, you know, and, and he does maybe. Maybe he's not quite the finished article just in terms of his profligacy and, um, you know, getting himself offside too often. But, you know, he's won the European Cup with Chelsea and he tries and he does score. And and that was just great yesterday. So fantastic for him and fantastic for Barkley to to get, get the ball rolling, so to speak. Well, I, I was going to ask you, Marco, it sounded on the on TV like the support for Timo in the stands was massive yesterday. Can, can you maybe oh, yeah. talk about that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of love for that chanting, the, the Timo Werner chant, the Depeche Mode thing anyway. Is it, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like an earworm. Once you get that in your head, you're sort of singing it all the way home. Um so yeah, you know that that the, the the fact that he's got a chant that everybody loves singing, um, 
is, it go, goes a long way. And, and you know, and, and there's, a, there's a definite bond between the player and the crowd there. And to be fair to, you know, Chelsea supporters in general, um, if you kind of look back, you know, we, we've had a long line of, of misfiring big money strikers. Um, you know, I mean, you, I mean, just listen, just listen to the 50 years of Chelsea on the Chelsea. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, let's, let's just keep it within a reasonable time frame. If you go back 10 years to Torres, you know, mm. nobody got on his back, you know, it was like, okay, poor bloke, you know, big pressure. And then all the rest that have followed, you know, and then, you know, more recently, the likes of Maratta, you know, it's kind of like they can't do it. Um, but yeah, they're Chelsea and we're not going to get on their back. And, when, and, and you know, and occasionally when it does all come together, fantastic. Um, you know, what, what does the future hold for Timo as a Chelsea player? I, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, there will be games where he gets chances that are a clear cut and it doesn't happen for him. Um, you know, and that was the chance that went and, and the game with it. So, you know, there is a serious aspect to it. But yeah, you know, he, he's just great. He's a great, he's clearly, I don't know, all his teammates clearly love him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just great when when stuff like that happens in the way it did. I mean, he had his best game of the season yesterday by a mile. Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, he, he looked dangerous on the counterattack. He was getting into the right spaces and not just any space, uh, which has been a problem so far this year. And, you know, is unlucky to not have a brace, right? I mean, just incredibly unlucky. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, if I look at him and I go, what isn't happening for you to score more? Like, there are plenty of opportunities in his team to score more goals, right? I mean, th- there are there are plenty of opportunities. What is, what's the thing that's not working? I I think he is a confidence player. So he, the the minute that he starts scoring goals regularly and he just gets that feeling, we'll probably, you know, goals be get more, more goals for him and misses be get more misses for him. Like I, he, he does seem like a knife's edge type of player to me, Dan. And so I, I hope that it starts working out for him because that's going to be the best thing for the team. But it is a decision that Tuchel will have to make who starts up front because none of our guys are really firing consistently right now. Well, I mean, we look at this match. He did have the most shots on uh, in total and then both on target on six mm-hmm. and four, respectively. Should have had two goals. Only he's going to get credit for the one. So we'll continue to watch the ticker of disallowed goals continue to rise. It's some, and, and let's just hope that he passes that. Let's just hope the total scored goals passes the disallowed goals first. And then we can talk about what comes next for Timo Werner at Chelsea. But I mean, I think his goal contributions in, in total so far for Chelsea, I mean, he's now at 14 goals and 13 assists, 11 goals if you take out three penalties. Um, so, I mean, that you know, for a season plus a few games this season, I mean, not a bad start, but obviously with as profusive a scorer as he was previously, definitely not where he would want to be. And we'll get a chance to see if he can figure out what combining with Lukaku, what bringing Mount back into the the forward attack can can do? Can he and Callum and Lukaku maybe get on the same page when the three of them play together? It, it'll be interesting to see. But the the hope would be is that he can find a way to contribute, particularly as the 
onus has shifted a little bit from Timo needing to be the primary scorer to Lukaku being the primary scorer. And maybe that psychologically helps just a touch, uh, give him the freedom he needs in uh, space and time to go out and, and execute uh, where we thought he would a season ago. But uh, we, we did have one question here before we get down the match league table. We had uh, our friend, uh, friend Shane ask, if you did choose one player, or which player you think had the biggest impact after the penalty, who was that individual? After the penalty. Yeah. So we're talking about the 70, sorry, 61st minute, 60, 61 through 90 plus. Well, I think you've got to, you've got to look at Barkley, haven't you? Because <laughs> that, that was the goal that um, brought the house down. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the final one was kind of the, the, the killer blow, but, I don't know. I just I've always liked Barkley, and I just you know he's a top top player, um, and every once in a while he's going to remind people of what a top top player he is, and that was that pass was brilliant. Uh, I, I'll I'll go Chilwell. I think Chilwell had a really good game and got really kind of in a more advanced position to go score the winner instead of us settling for a draw yesterday obviously he got he got the goal um great hit but he was in other positions throughout the game too um especially in the second half that i thought were were quality and and showed that he's he's trying to take that marcus alonso goal scoring uh stat uh and put that to bed so yeah, I'll, I'll go Chilwell. I mean, Chilwell did have that early run i think in the first 15 minutes or so into the box where he also had a shot on you know on target as well and mccarthy uh, definitely drank his uh, super soldier serum before the match because he was there for a couple of saves. There was an early save to deny Timo. There was the one on Chilwell. I mean, he was up for the match as well. And this could have been a, a, a much less favorable scoreline than the one that existed for Southampton. But I think to your point, Chilwell looks ready to uh, reclaim the space that a little dip in form uh, that Marcus Alonso has provided. But that will be one battle that will continue, I think, through the majority of the season. Nick, I don't think, uh, I think we'll be seeing in even some of the post-match press conference uh, comments that Tuchel had. He talked about Kai, he talked about Ziyech not necessarily being in the best form. And that's why you have Ross Barkley coming into the game. That's why you have Ruben Loftus-Cheek getting an opportunity. And so yep. Tuchel looks ready to use every single player to go win six. Yeah, I, I agree. There are too many matches for one player to own a spot exclusively, but I think the ebbs and flows on who is the more consistent starter in big games is going to be the thing to look for. And, you know, like Chilwell is a better overall footballer than Mark Alonso is. Uh, he's a better defensive player, certainly, you know, ugly penalty withstanding. Uh, and he is not a slouch up front either. He Some of his runs are like Werner-esque in the way that he can get forward from the wing uh, for a long ball. So if they can find him more consistently with those and he can get in behind, Lukaku and Werner should feast off of his crosses, uh, you know, a little pullback cross across the, the face of the goal. So, yeah, as long as we don't face uh, Alex McCarthy on his best form of his career every week, we should be all right. 
Uh, is is seemingly how it goes from time to time. Any other thoughts from this match before we start to wind it down, Marco? Anything else from the ground or that you saw that we didn't get into? Uh, I think I think the other thing everybody was talking about was the next the next run of fixtures. So, you know, we we we've kind of you know we're top we were top of the league. Um, we've had a pretty um, tough opening clutch of seven games. Um, now, you know, there's quite a favourable run of fixtures uh, in terms of, you know, expectations. So, you know, obviously City are playing Liverpool as we speak and then Liverpool, Man United coming up. Um, so there's there's an opportunity now for Chelsea to consolidate um, if they're going to uh, make a push to, to get some, um, you know, head of steam up uh, after the international break. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's always nice to win going into an international break. So despite it pouring with rain, as, as I mean, it literally was hurling down with rain uh, as we left the stadium. Everybody was buzzing and singing the Timo Werner song all the way down the Fulham Road. Oh, uh, we, we miss it. It sounds delightful, Nick. Any other thoughts, items to pick up on? Uh, no, I, I'm really just happy for the for, for the whole team, but particularly those Cobham boys that we mentioned up top. I mean, the fact that they all look so comfortable, that they look so ready for this level, that they look like they're going to be real contributors this season and not just bit part players that Dougal throws in for 10 minutes at the end of a game. It, it just gives me a lot of hope. And we went into the season losing Tino Livermento, a player that we all thought could play for us. He can play for us. He's quite good. Uh, I think everyone who watched Tino Livermento play yesterday realized that that's a real player. Like he he's, you know, potentially on his way back at some point in the future. Uh, but but that boy can play and, and he gave Callum a, a tough test and, and all this stuff. But the fact that we're seeing some of our own come back into the fold is, is really reassuring. And I'm glad that Tuchel is is kind of taking that path. Well, we will start to wrap it up here. Dan in the match, it's Timo Werner. 53% with Loftus-Cheek at 25, Trev Chalba at 16, and Mesa Mount at 6%. Timo Werner wins the one for today. League table as it stands. That's right, Chelsea on top. Again, Liverpool and Man City are playing. It is into the 30th minute and is still scoreless, which means that as we record and as we will take it into the break in our minds, Chelsea are top of the table on 16 points. Liverpool second with 15. Man City at 14, just ahead of Man United at 14, followed by Everton at 14, Brighton at 14, and Brentford on 12 points ahead of Tottenham in 8th. West Ham, 11 points in ninth. Aston Villa, 10 points in 10th. Arsenal dropping to 11th place. This Look, table is exactly. bonkers. Can I give you a shithouse moment of the weekend? Yes. Andros Townsend doing the Cristiano Ronaldo celebration at Old Trafford. Oh, chef's kiss, my friend. Chef's kiss. Absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> Oh, it's uh, it's quite a table. There's uh, many storylines to get into. Leicester City really struggling on eight points Ooh. in 13th place. 
Uh, Leeds, a favorite from last season, is in 16th place on six points, and then your relegation zone is Norwich, who finally got something other than a, a loss with a draw. Newcastle on three points, Burnley on three points. It's just a it's a wacky table, Marco. I I, I Brentford is flying, and they look like one that you maybe would have penciled in at the start of the season as a an easier fixture for Chelsea, but they are giving everybody a tough test. Yeah, I, I think um, Thomas Frank's quite a good manager. Quite like him. He's, he's sort of quite Tuchel-esque, actually, in terms of his approach to the game. Obviously, he's working on a minimal budget there, but he's had that group of players that he's been improving on. I mean, if you think he sold his best player, Ben Rama, to uh, West Ham, didn't he? So, um, you know, full credit to them. Um, they've got a tidy little ground, uh, good support. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good story. I think I think they could be... In the same way Bournemouth had a good run in the Premier League, um, they could be a team to hang on to the status. I think not Norwich are doomed. And then mm-hmm. I don't know Watford sacked their manager today. I don't know if that if you've got oh that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Watford have sacked their manager. Um, so that's that's the worst run club in the Premier League. Yeah, right I there. think I think that must be the, the hundredth manager that Watford have sacked. Um, this century so uh, extraordinary putting yeah. Chelsea to shame in terms of managerial turnover yeah. that's the Watford yeah. way yeah yeah I, I would quickly say Burnley Newcastle and Norwich do look like they're in trouble I mean like I, there's just not enough goals in that group to to potentially even begin to save your season Southampton are kind of there too and so you know we should have beat them yesterday I will say though that the the surprise of the season, not Brentford for me, Brighton. Brighton looked good. Uh, Brighton are going to be really difficult for a lot of teams this season. They're playing with a lot of confidence. Graham Potter finally has his philosophy set in that team. I watched that that game against Arsenal yesterday was in a monsoon, so take from it what you will. Uh, but they look confident. They should have had a couple of goals early on in that one. Um, watch out for Brighton. Well, we will watch out for Brighton, but we won't be doing that until the end of the international break. That's right. We are done oh, talking about this match. We're done boo. talking about the men's team for a moment. We're great content about the women's team uh, who are off to a flying start again for their season. Both teams winning 3-1 this weekend. So Nick's going to have an episode on that coming out with our friends Jesse and Abdullah. But Marco, thank you for postponing Sunday dinner. Thank you for postponing cookies from the daughter before jumping in to this episode <laughs> recap with us. We're so glad to have you back. We can't wait to see you at Stanford bridge again, hopefully in the near future. It's a pleasure boys. When, when, when are you planning to head over? Have you got anything in the works yet? We're working on it. We're working conspiring. On it. We are conspiring at the moment. <laughs> we need Brandon Busby to find his way out of those cornfields and get us some, uh, some feedback. <laughs> Uh, but we will uh, we will see you soon hopefully Nick a pleasure as always and uh, with that Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high (laughs) 